The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. And we are going to talk about what we call a timeline for house issues. So on the naughty list of things that houses can do to us, we've got a list that's uh, a good 20 or 30 long here. Welcome everybody to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, and as always, I'm alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman, the dynamic duo that make up the leadership team at Structure Tech, in addition to some other great folks. Dynamic trio. Don't trio. exclude yourself, Bill. Well, I'm just sitting here hosting well, this program for today. So. Bill, you are important, yeah. okay? There's a lot Thank of people you. on our leadership team. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. So all the really important people are here right now. Just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, God. Welcome to today's episode. And we are going to talk about what we call a timeline for house issues. So on the naughty list of things that houses can do to us, we've got a list that's uh, a good 20 or 30 long here. And then Ruben, at some point in the past, has gone... And he's made this wonderful graph that tells all kinds of stories of when you would find these issues in a house. Yeah, at least made an attempt at it. I'll share the history of this. Tessa and I have been teaching a ridiculous amount of CE classes to real estate agents. And yeah, air fist bump. Mm -hmm. We can't touch fist Mm -mm. quite from here. But we've been teaching a lot of these classes. And we had an agent during our old houses class say, man, it'd be really nice to just have a timeline of all these things you guys are talking about. And I've been wanting to do that for a long time. And finally, I just said, all right, yep, you're right. Let's get it done. I have no idea what this timeline is called or how to do it, (laughs) but I know what I want it to look like. Mm -hmm. So I had to find some examples. I had to chat with Brian, Brian Schultes, (laughs) one of the inspectors on our team, who is our IT Mm -hmm. czar. Yeah, among other things. Among other things. He does a lot for us. He's also a part of the group that's really important. So we'll... (laughs) Everybody's really important. I know. I'm just I'm just teasing. But I was he, just trying to make fun of me, actually. So. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but uh, apparently this is called a Gantt chart. G-A-N-T-T. A little bit of trivia there, according to Brian. That's what this is. So we, we put one together, and it's not a perfect science. I mean, with all these things, you can have these defects that happen before our timeline, after our timeline, but this is our best mm-hmm. estimation. There's always going to be outliers. Yeah, always, yeah. always. Sure. But I thought, you know, it, it might be fun podcast fodder to go through this timeline. I already created a video. That'll be on our website. It'll probably be on our website by the time this podcast airs. But, I mean, the videos I try to keep kind of tight. I didn't go into any explanation of, of what any of this stuff was. And as long as podcasts are a little bit longer format, I thought it might be fun to kind of discuss some of this stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it looks like it's a, a beautifully put together in alphabetical format. With some numeric here at the beginning, let's start at the top of the list. Nine by nine floor tile. Yeah. Tell us about these things. Why do they exist? When would you typically have seen a contractor install this material in a house? Well, nine by nine floor tiles, it's on the list because they're known to contain asbestos. And so a lot of people are concerned about health effects with nine by nine floor tiles being in their in their house. And from what we understand from the specialists we've talked to about, you know, asbestos and air quality, we've been told that it's not a concern. Yeah. Right? That's right. 
Um, yeah. I mean, it, obviously, as far as health hazards, it, yeah, as far it's, as health hazards, zero. Don't sand them and don't and scrape them up or you know break them up. That's even if bad. You scrape and break. I mean, you're probably. I guess you. Could I agree. Create some... Even if you scrape yeah. and break it, you're surely not going to release it into the air. The way you release it into the air is taking an angle grinder to it. <laughs> don't do that. And, <laughs> and intentionally creating a fine powder. That's it. No father who is trying to help has ever done that. <laughs> we, that we know of. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's never happened. Yeah. But you can see those up until the 1980s. I mean, that's what we've got on our chart here. Uh, you might find some in, from the mid-80s or late-80s, but, I mean, the majority, you know, is before that, that period of time. Yeah, so. and, but, but the reason we include it on there is that if you're buying a home and you got that stuff and you want to put down some type of other floor covering and you want to go to a big box retailer like a Home Depot or Lowe's or somebody like that, and you want to have them put down new floor covering over the top of that, they'll just tell you no. Mm-hmm. And I remember that from when I used to work at Home Depot. Hmm. If somebody mentioned 9 by 9 floor tiles, it's just no, can't touch it because these big box retailers have deep pockets and they don't want people suing them mm-hmm. because they're the last one to touch it, so they won't touch it. Hmm. If you got that stuff... You got to have it removed before you can hire somebody to put down something over the top of it. That's interesting. I like their approach to uh, simplicity or their simple approach to this topic. I said that very clumsily. (laughs) I think you understand. It wasn't simple. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate that. That Snickers didn't help you out. Yeah. Well, I, I turned back into me after being a bulldog earlier. Okay. So moving down the list here, aluminum wiring. You got a barcode for this too. Yeah, we we said nineteen mid nineteen sixties to mid nineteen seventies. Aluminum branch circuit wiring is probably one of the worst things we can find as a home inspector in terms of just you know safety issues and cost to fix it. So it's mainly something that was used um, you know from the nineteen mid nineteen sixties mid nineteen seventies. But I've found it up until the late seventies. I, I think I inspected a house built in nineteen seventy eight with it. Wow! And you know to be more specific on this stuff, there was a really bad alloy of aluminum that expanded and contracted a ton and that was made between 1965 up until 1972 and then after 72 they came out with a new alloy i think it's like this 8800 series and it's way less expansive it's probably not that problematic Mm -hmm. but i found most electricians don't know the difference yeah i was gonna say is it identified on the Outside of the sheathing? I think there's a way to identify it, yes, but I don't even remember what it is. And Mm. I I think most electricians don't either. And they're going to come across Mm -hmm. it and say, this is aluminum wiring, it's hazardous. Mm -hmm. So when we find it as home inspectors, we don't try to make that determination. We say, it's aluminum wiring, Mm -hmm. get an electrician to look at it, Mm -hmm. let them tell you it's safe or not. So. For for this chart, I mean, I just said mid seventies, but mm-hmm. we we could say mid to late seventies, I guess. Tess. Yeah. 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 All right. Then you have asbestos on here. What are we talking about there? Well, you know, I just put asbestos general. There, I mean, we already talked about nine by nine floor tiles, and there's a few other asbestos topics in this list here. We'll we'll come across later in alphabetical order. But asbestos was never officially banned or outlawed. You could still have a manufacturer putting asbestos in products today. I think we did a whole 
podcast on asbestos once earlier last year or maybe this year. I don't know when, but I'm pretty sure we did a podcast topic on that. And asbestos has been found in thousands of building materials. I mean, if it's not made out of wood or metal, it may contain asbestos. So we said... you know, probably anything built before around 2000, there's a good chance you're going to have something in your house that contains asbestos. And we're not going to try real hard to figure out every material that could have it. If it's some of the big nasty stuff, like vermiculite insulation that we'll get to at the end. No, let's go there right now. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's just skip ahead to all the asbestos stuff. Let's do it. All right, Tess. Edu- Vermiculite's really us. bad, period. All right. <laughs> done and done. Next. really bad. No, I mean, vermiculite, it's that uh, type of insulation. It has kind of that gold, like a kind of a shiny pebble look to it. And it's different from all the other materials that contain asbestos in the, in the way that it's like a loose fill type insulation. So if you, you know, any little bit of disturbance can basically kind of kick up the dust and release the asbestos fibers into the air. Yep. Whereas like a nine by nine floor tile, like all the asbestos fibers are bound together. Yeah, they're bound together in a solid material. So vermiculite is really bad stuff. There's actually a class action lawsuit. Ruben, do you want to talk about yeah. that? I don't want to get into it. We, I, we don't I'll put a link to our other this. blog yeah. post. Yeah. But we, we'd find vermiculite insulation from in homes built from the twenties up through around 1980. So there's a big range in home. And, you know, like everything else in here, if a home was in existence at this time or before then, it might have it. So I said the 20s, but I mean, if a house was built in 1900 Mm -hmm. and then they added it at some point Mm -hmm. because they wanted some more in the attic, as long as it was in existence during that section, it may have it. Yeah. So we said 20s up through the 80s. That's, That's when it was used. At least they didn't put it in the attic where if somebody drilled a hole through the ceiling, it pour down into your living space. Sounds oh, like no. you're talking from experience. Oh, no. They, Bill. they <laughs> absolutely <laughs> did. <laughs> I've never done that. Actually, really? you know, you know, one short crazy story. I was inspecting a house, I think it was in Minnetonka, and it had this wood paneling on the wall. And I happened to see something shiny kind of through some of the gaps. I looked closer. The walls were full of vermiculite insulation. It was a balloon oh, wow. framed house and attic had it and the walls had it too. Oh crazy. The whole house. Man, don't open those walls up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Leave it alone. Okay, so what else is on the list of asbestos? I mean, I see transite ducts. We've talked yeah. about those in the past. Yep, um, transite duct work. And, from you know, the 1960s through the, what you say, the 80s for transite yeah. duct work? Yeah, for okay. sub-slab, the stuff that goes underneath your home. Okay. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good timeline. And then transite was used as a gas vent for a pretty short period of time. This is based on what we have found at Structure mm-hmm. Tech. It, it could be a wider range, but we've found this stuff in homes built from about 1949 up until about 1954. So it's a pretty narrow range. Very specific. Yeah. And and that's that's where they used a transite gas vent for the furnace and water heater. And the problem with that is that it flakes apart on the inside and eventually collapses and prevents the exhaust gases from rising up and out of the home, which leads to carbon monoxide issues Mm -hmm. inside the home. It's a very serious safety issue. Oddly, the asbestos doesn't kill you. It's the carbon monoxide. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, all right. All right. right. Ironic. That kind of covers that material, the A word, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, What else do we have here? Attic bypasses. Do tell, because these exist today. So why isn't the bar all the way across from zero? Well, 
Yeah, so it looks like on this on this Gantt chart, we've got attic bypasses from 1900 to 1992-ish, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, 1992. And houses today, built today, still have attic bypasses, but there are measures put in place from 1992 on that were trying to reduce the amount of attic bypasses in houses and make houses more airtight. So... It's not saying that houses built after 1992 can't have attic bypasses. It's just builders are actively trying to not have them. Exactly. Okay. Yes. It's kind of saying that if we're going to inspect a house built before 92 and we go in that attic and you don't find attic bypasses, <laughs> you didn't look because, <laughs> because they're there. I mean, you just better expect to find them. And the, and the only exception to that is if somebody hired an insulation contractor mm-hmm. to come out and seal everything off. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's really easy to find. The easy way to do that is go to the furnace vent, pull some mm-hmm. insulation away there. And if that's wide open, everything is open. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So moving down, we've got buried fuel tanks. Okay. Buried fuel oil tanks. I can't believe that it goes up until the 19. 19- Mid-1980s. Yeah. And I'm putting that down from personal experience. Wow. There was a home that I inspected in Maple Grove built, I can't remember if it was 82, 84, 88. I don't remember. It was mid-80s. And it had a buried fuel oil tank there. And I mean, I I saw the pipe sticking out and I was kind of scratching my head saying, I don't know why this is. Well, a, a little bit of history on the home would have turned this up. Turns out that there was no natural gas for that street (laughs) until four years after the home was built. So it's the only way they could have heated the house. (laughs) So you get some of those outer ring suburbs, and Mm -hmm. if it's some of the first houses in that development, Mm -hmm. they they may have fuel oil. Would you consider that an Easter egg? Finding a fuel oil tank? Probably. Probably. That's one of those fun little finds. It always feels real good when you identify one. Yeah, because it's one of those things that could be really easy to miss. Yeah. Right. So do you remember what municipality that was in? Maple Grove. Yeah. So you'd never look for it. I wouldn't I, have I thought to look for it. I think that's all day. Yeah. Yeah. Especially from the 1980s. I mean, if you're off on your game that day, you're going to walk by that thing and just... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Some of these can be so easy to miss. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got pictures on our website. We've got pipes hidden behind bushes yeah. and pipes low to the ground yeah. that, you, I mean, it would be so easy to miss. And we're not taking the time to dive into why this can be a big issue or what they look like or, you know, any of the details. But you no, did a really good video that if anyone wants to learn more, they can check out your, your YouTube video yeah. on fuel oil tanks. It's one of those things that has a few zeros behind it to fit. Yeah, just it sure a few. Does. So, and it's going to yeah. cost somebody something at some point. Mm-hmm. So you want to find them. So and you know what? Side note on, on the history of that. If you had a home that was in existence before the 30s, it's almost a guarantee that there was a fuel oil tank at that home at some point. Because all these houses were going to mm-hmm. be heated with coal. And then in the 30s, it started becoming really popular to switch over from coal to fuel oil. Because they, they weren't working off natural gas just yet. Gotcha. So this is per Dean's Tanks. Mm-hmm. That's a company we always recommend mm-hmm. for fuel oil removal. And this is this is what they've told me. Gotcha. So they would just dig up the ho- next to the house. They'd drop that thing in the ground, punch a hole through the concrete or the block wall. and They'd do that. Or they'd put the tank inside the home. It could be that too. But Seems that wouldn't a... be a buried tank. That'd be a freestanding Right. That'd be out tank. in the mm-hmm. open. Yep. You know, it's funny. My Where I grew up, my next door neighbor... His father was a architect kind of contractor guy, and he built a house in the, like, 1980, and he threw a fuel oil tank in the basement. Wow. 
thought it was really interesting. I'm like, we use propane or LP and they use fuel oil. But another side note that I see on a regular basis, the old fuel oil trucks still rolling around my neighborhood in St. Paul. So it's not like I see them every single day, but (laughs) there's one or two and it's always the same company and the trucks look like they're as old as the fuel tanks that we find in the ground too. That's that's because you're in St. Paul. (laughs) 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 Air 5 Tessa. Thank you very much. Capital City, by the way. Fantastic. I love St. Paul. I do. I do love St. Paul. Great restaurants. Revival. If you've never been, oh yeah. Go to Revival on Selby Avenue. Making my mouth water. Best fried chicken in the world. Yes. I've been to the one in Minneapolis. Yeah. Just like Hattie B's down in Nashville. I was in Nashville within the last year and you told me to go to Hattie B's and I got it. Hattie B's is just Yes. Oh, that's like death row meal (laughs) alongside my wife's crab curry. But Revival is really close. Okay, they're really, really, really good at what they do. All right, moving off this food We should topic. get sponsored by Revival. I, I'd say yeah. for free. I don't need <laughs> <Yeah>. any. <laughs> wow, here we go. Federal Pacific Stablock Panels. We've kind of covered that we, already. But. Well, we covered that on our last podcast. We kind of dug into it, but, you know, the short answer is about 80% of the FPEs we find are going to be homes built in the 70s and early 80s. You may find them going back... I don't know anything before yeah. then. I mean, it's kind of like vermiculite. If the house was standing between the 70s and the 80s, yeah. they could have a Federal Pacific panel. Yeah. They were making the panels from the 50s on, but we've found them in homes built in the 20s, yeah. 30s, 40s. I mean, mm-hmm. all those. So yeah. it's fair to say this Nat chart. Gant. <laughs> I know, I did that on purpose. <laughs> it's fair to say this is this is just gets your spider senses up. When you when you walk into a house of this age, you're like, Yeah, I'm look I'm looking for the aluminum wiring. I'm looking yeah. for the stab lock panel because this is the bullseye zone for these types of things. Yep. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay, we're mm-hmm. down into the G's, galvanized drain lines and water pipes. Yeah, they can be problematic. The main issue with them is they'll rust and corrode from the inside out and eventually, you know, won't have good water flow anymore. You can't do your laundry and you can't take a shower at the same time or your drains get slow and the only fix is to replace them. So what do we have here up until the 1960s? 1960. So anything before that, pretty sure that you'll find galvanized piping material in a house. Yeah, for, for drains... I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's going to be about it. That's what was used. For water distribution piping, we started using copper right around 1950 or so for water pipes. So if you had a home built before 1950, it's almost a guarantee you're going to have galvanized steel pipe. If it was built after 1950, you may have copper, you may have galvanized steel. After 1960, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have galvanized steel anymore. All right. Well, let's as long as we're on the topic of piping, lead mainline, lead or galvanized water mains. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's got four or five zeros behind the fix on that one. That That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Going yeah, out to the street. And we, we covered that on our pilot episode of this so. podcast, didn't we? You shared yeah. a good story. I think that was the, the, one of our Easter egg stories about finding a galvanized water main in a house where they had replaced all of the distribution piping with copper. And it looked like it was a copper main coming in, but the flow was really bad in the house. And it uh-huh. turns out they had replaced the main out to the curb stop, but the section of pipe that went under the street was still original galvanized. Mm, very so, expensive. Yeah. And so right. what's the timeline on that, Tess? Um, it looks like up until the early 30s. 
Potentially. Well, 32 for Minneapolis, 28 yep. for St. Paul, I think. Yeah. See, we were ahead of the curve. You we, were. You well, were on I, that I, one. We're going to give, give your, that to you. Give though. yourself some right. points. Very yep. good. Very good. You can oh. have that. <laughs> uh, well, here's a good one. All right. So this, this one always needs explaining because mm. people understand it, but they don't. Problematic stucco and stone veneer siding. Sure. And it's important to qualify this because almost all the stucco out there is great. No problems with it. But if you got a home built from about 1988 on, that stuff might have some problems. There's been a lot of really expensive stuff. Why 88, Ruben? Well, I'm going by what Wayne, one of the moisture techs and home inspectors here at Structure Tech, has told me. He said that's when they started using moisture barriers. I didn't know it was such a defined huh. detail, but whenever I say about or 1990 or so, he's always quick to go, ah, nip, 88. Uh-huh. <laughs> so right. so yeah. he's, he's the moisture tech. I'll mm-hmm. go with what he says. Yeah. Well, because I've recommended intrusive moisture testing on houses that are like mid-80s that have kind of a stucco with uh, defects with installation and missing flashing and all that. It, and it's not to say it can't happen at that mm-hmm. age of home. It's just... Our concern is not nearly as high. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It's also generally better. Okay, so we're going to lump these two together, radon and sewer problems, because mm. there's a very long bar. <laughs> near I added this to make it really clear that there is no defining line. That bar starts at the beginning of our graph and ends at the end of the graph. Okay. It, these are not age-sensitive issues. You can have sewer and radon issues at any age of home. Okay, no further discussion necessary. Stucco-covered chimneys. Do tell, and and this is actually quite a short bar. So, yeah, from the 20s to the 40s, watch out if you have a stucco-covered chimney. A lot of chimneys built around that time period were made with like a limestone brick. And limestone's really porous, and when you cover a porous brick with a, a reservoir cladding type of siding material, something that holds water like a sponge, well, then that brick will just deteriorate over the years, and um, so. We had our own. Did we talk about stuff? We did we talk about stucco covered chimneys in a past podcast? I don't remember. I don't We've had think so many so. conversations about this I, topic. Yeah, I don't know. In, if inside we did. and outside of a studio, it okay. all kind of blends together. Right. Well, if we haven't, we should dedicate a podcast to that and at least You're link right. some of the pictures to yeah. to what these chimneys look like on the inside because there's several examples throughout the Twin Cities of what these chimneys look like. We've got so pictures. Many. You wrote yeah. a blog about it. And it is so expensive. Yes. Well, and you can you can always tell the ones that were fixed because halfway up the stucco, the brick <laughs> starts. You'll see a new top yeah. with the original stucco base. Yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah, the, yeah, they just, I mean, these chimneys are just crumbling on the inside behind the stucco and you just can't see it. But. So if you're driving around a city, like an old part of a city, and you see that, that's why. Little by little, it just kind of decays, and then one day it just declares itself uh-huh. like a nasty pimple or something, and then it's got to be fixed. And it's a pretty expensive <laughs> fix. So. Yep. All right, and then the last thing on our list is ungrounded outlets. Nothing I even would put on the list is a big, big problem. Why did you add ungrounded outlets to this list? Well, because it wasn't required to have grounded outlets throughout homes up until 1962. That's when the electrical code changed. So if we're inspecting a home built before then, and you got three-prong outlets everywhere, our concern is much higher, and we find a lot more ungrounded three-prong outlets on homes that are built before 1962. After then, 
even if you do have an ungrounded outlet, you're surely going to have wiring inside the wall to properly properly ground the outlet. Sure. So it's that's that's why we got that that dividing line there. All right. So we're going to post this document up in the show notes. Is that correct? Or are you going to share this with everybody? You know, so we can... we will put this chart in in the show notes for okay. sure. Okay. But we'll put a link to another blog post that I will have published by the time this goes <laughs> live. And that's going to be filled with links. So if you want to learn more information, like what's the deal with unground and three-prong outlets? I mean, we're just glossing over them. And I've blogged about all of these things. Okay. So you can click a few links and you can get a ton more information on any of these topics that we're talking about. Okay. So then real estate agents out in the field can just bring this chart along and they just go right down and be like, what's the year? Here's where you may have it. They'll never want to sell an old house again. (laughs) We've been told that after we teach our old houses class. Yes. Yeah. I'm selling whatever is available. If I mean, there's no accounting for taste. People choose what they choose for a variety of reasons, and least of which is not on this list. You know, location, location, location. That's now we right. can see mm-hmm. me pointing, but I did point each time. Mm-hmm. I said. Oh, and you know what, Bill? I think we we skipped over one of them, which was knob and tube wiring. I, I think we, oh. we jumped into something else. And knob and tube wiring, this is a tough one. I haven't found knob and tube wiring at a single home built after about 1940. And I had put that in our timeline. And I, I had this timeline vetted by the, the inspectors on our team. And Eric pipes in with, oh, I just inspected a house last week built in 1959 with knob and tube wiring. And so right ago, right away, I mean, my internal response is, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't using knob and tube in 1959. So I had to look up the house, you know, where, what's the address? Let me see. I pulled up the photos. Sure as all get out. I looked at all his photos. There is knob and tube wiring in the walls, in the attic, in the basement, and it is straight up knob and tube wiring. Is and it house possible? Built in 59. Is it possible that 59 was a typo? Somebody hit the five instead of the That's two? That's what I think. I I have to admit, Ruben, I did the same thing you did yeah. when I when he said that, and I looked at the pictures of the house. I, I swear to God, like the the floor joists in the basement looked old and the style of the yes. house looked like it was built in the 1920s like could they have moved a house and put it on a new foundation or could they have done a typo with the age i don't built? know i i question that i wondered the same yeah. thing and i went to the county records uh-huh. and that also said 59 so i couldn't punch a hole uh, in this one that's weird that's yeah. the only that's one an though, outlier. right but, yeah but, but that's an outlier. my point is i didn't include that in this chart and I bring it up to say that this chart is not 100% perfect. There's going to mm-hmm. be outliers, but generally knob and tube before the 40s. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of knowledge stacked in this one document. Mm. I hope so. Good stuff. You know, and for anybody listening, if we got any of these wrong, <laughs> feel free <laughs> we'll to leave a comment. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we don't claim to be perfect. Mm-mm. Feel free to write us in the comments. You know, and it might vary per region on some of these things. I'm sure it does. So we're talking about Twin Cities, but yep. I mean... Yeah, or the upper reaches of yeah. uh, this great country. So, all right. Well, this is uh, this has been fascinating. I uh, I feel like you could equip a lot of real estate agents with some pretty golden nuggets to walk around with. So, awesome. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com.